Hey, we have been in this conversation over the last weeks, and it's been this very personal, like, introspection about, God, where am I in this season of life? And like, what direction am I pointed? Where am I? Where have I been pointed? And we've been calling this up and to the right because what we've been doing is we've been using like this little diagram, a little graph to help us identify where we are and where we're pointed. In fact, we're going to be using that again today and next week right through this series. And so if you do not have a handout, wave your hand. They'll be happy to bring you one of these so you can kind of follow along where we're going. And if you are online, as we've been doing each week, we want to make this available to you as well because it'll be helpful to you as you follow along. And you can go right to this web address. If you're listening to the podcast and you need to hear the web address, it's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash up and right for, up and right for, because that is, we are in the fourth message in this series. And if you haven't been with us and kind of, I think a lot of this is going to make sense whether you haven't been with us or not. But, man, I would encourage you, go back and listen to these messages. They've been really helpful to me. It's like when I even bump into people during the week, we're like talking about it. We're, we're, I met with a guy this week uh, who's one of a, a business leader here in town as part of our church. And man, we were talking about things that were like up and right for his business. Uh, it's, just, it's, a, it's a very cool conversation. It impacts a lot of our life as well as our spiritual journeys. Amen? Amen. So, as you'll remember, on this little graph, it's kind of broken into these four quadrants. And you'll probably remember that these four quadrants, if you start in kind of the upper left and work your way around counterclockwise, there's the cozy quadrant, the bored quadrant we've been talking about, the stressed quadrant, and then up and to the right is the fruitful quadrant. Why is it fruitful up and to the right? Well, you'll see there on the top and bottom, left and right of that graph, is that that fruitful quadrant is that place where two things come together, where there is both high encouragement, where like, man, we feel loved, accepted, welcomed, man, there's joy there, it's just like, woo! High encouragement, but that is matched with and kind of paired with high challenge. Like we are called to more. We're like, the fruit you bore in the past, whatever, that's awesome. But God has more fruit for you. There's more things that God is calling us to in our future. And we're not stuck in those other places. God's calling us up and to the right where these two things come together. It's in this quadrant, this fruitful quadrant, where we thrive. It's like it's where we really long to live because it's fruitful. It's healthy. You know, healthy things produce fruit, right? And it's like, man, when, I, when, I, when I'm living in that place, I get to see the fruit that is coming forth from my life. So, man, that's where I want to be. And what we've talked about and discovered along this journey over these past weeks is that that is where Jesus calls us to. Jesus calls us to that place of coming up and to the right with him. It's where he lived in that very fruitful place 
of life and ministry, and it's where he invites us to join him even today. But this up and to the right calling is not only for our lives personally, this is also for our church as well. In fact, right there in the notes, there's a little, that little blank is right up at the top. Check this out. All churches, all churches, I want you to think about this. All churches can be found somewhere on this graph. So maybe you've been to one of these churches. I, I think I may have visited, been a part of some of these churches during my lifetime. Not long though, but there's cozy churches, right? People here feel really, really loved and welcomed. You know, it's just like this big, warm, sloppy hug. It's great. But you know what? No one's going to push you to do anything. You want to just sit there? You know, get fat and happy for Jesus? Great, no problem. You know, it's just, there is just no pressure there. You can just go at your own pace even if your pace is zero, right? It's like, oh my gosh, cozy churches. Then, like, can, if you go, like, into the opposite corners, those are stressed churches. Maybe you've been part of a stressed church. It's like it's all about the mission, but, man, the fruit of the Spirit has left the building. It's like, where is the love? Where's the kindness Where's the gentleness and just that warmth of acceptance of people where we are on our journey? And I think that it's here where maybe the sheep are not led forward, they're beaten forward. We're beating the sheep. And it may not be physically, prayerfully it would not be physically beaten, but you know what? Probably it's verbal. There's that verbal beating that comes. It's like you, stinking flea-bitten sheep. Don't you know there are people out there going to hell and it's on you. Right? Oh, 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 really? Okay. Go out there and show people the love of Jesus. I don't know. I don't know. Can we do that? Um, it's stressful. You know, we've talked about over the past weeks that when we're in that stressed place, whether it's in a church or just where we're in that place in our own lives, you know, it's like we feel overworked, undervalued. It's harsh being there. It's harsh. And then there's this, like, down into the left quadrant, the bored quadrant. You know, this is where a church would, I don't know, it's, it's like the church of the frozen chosen. It's like, there ain't no love there. There ain't no challenge either. And probably people are there, maybe out of tradition. You know, people have just been part of it for so long. Their grandparents, their parents are part of it. It's like, okay, we're here. You know, or maybe some sort of a, like a cultural obligation, you know, that they feel like it would, it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to go. I, in fact, I was in a conversation this week with a pastor friend here in town, and he was sharing about this church in another city that he used to pastor. And in that church, there was a very large percentage of the church congregation 
that had been there for decades, like literally, like decades and decades. And people, he said, were just hanging on until they died. And they were bitterly opposed to anything that that pastor would do to try to pull them up and to the right. They were terminally stuck and they liked it that way. They kind of chased the pastor out. And afterwards, he reflected, it's like, it's one of the greatest gifts they ever gave me, you know? Because <laughs> he was not going to move. They were so stuck down into the left that there was really no hope for revitalization until some of that generation passed on. And now there's a new pastor there, and he said things are going pretty well, you know, working with people who were wanting to go up and to the right. But fortunately, there is one other quadrant. And it's that fruitful quadrant. Like I said, where high encouragement meets high challenge. And there is fruit that is being born there. It's where people are growing in Jesus and at the same time are really meaningfully engaged in fulfilling God's mission together. There's this sense that, hey, we're on this, we're doing this together, right? Like your strength adds to my strength. Where I'm weak, you're strong, man. We're doing this as the body of Christ together. Like we're growing in Jesus and we're getting stuff done in the kingdom. This is the kind of church that I long to be a part of. This is the kind of church that I want to pastor up and to the right a fruitful church. And can I tell you, this is the kind of church, whether it's Santa Rita Four Square or you find another one, this is the kind of church you want to be a part of. And if it ain't here, find one. But I'm gonna do everything within my power to ensure that we are living in this quadrant. Well, does that mean that you're a perfect church? Oh, no, 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 no. It's kind of like we do the little, you know, broken arrow because we all recognize that even a church, a great church, that like is this up into the ride, we're bearing fruit. Listen, even a church that it kind of like dwells up in that quadrant is going to have moments that are too, too cozy. We've just been chilling in the, in the jacuzzi together and we're not getting stuff done for Jesus. Right? Or... Where it's like, dang, I, I feel stressed. Like, why, why am I feeling so anxious and stressed about this mission that we're called to be a part of? Fortunately, I don't believe that anybody kind of reflects on our church saying we're boring. And I'll show you that in a moment, which I'm very thankful for. But this is the kind of church that we want to be. And listen, our church in June will be celebrating 94 years. 94 years the Fourscore Church has been here in Santa Maria. Started in Orchid, very shortly thereafter, moved over into here, uh, in, into, into Santa Maria proper. And uh, we've been on this campus since 1959. Our church was founded by a woman, Peggy king. Someday, I think we, we need to, if we build another building, you know what? It's going to be the king building. <laughs> People are going to think we're talking about Jesus. Well, we are talking about Jesus. But we're also talking about Peggy. 
this woman who came up from Los Angeles and just began to preach, hold, hold gatherings, formed a church, and it was in 1928 that that church was like actually fully assembled and became a four-score church. And, and so, hey, guess what, man? It's just, it's just six years from now. We're going to be celebrating our 100th anniversary as a church. Is that amazing? Wow. And here's the thing, guys. I think that historically, we could say this has been a fruitful church. Born a lot of good fruit. A lot of good fruit. Not perfect. We haven't been a perfect church over, you know, these 94 years. But I'll tell you, there's been a lot of fruit that's been born here. If we hadn't, we wouldn't be here anymore. Right? If we would have gotten stuck in one of those other quadrants for too long, those churches end up not thriving and not continuing. However... We've been there historically, we've been a fruitful church. Where are we today? That's a question we need to ask ourselves. And so we're at the end of this series. This is week four, but we're kind of doing this two-part message. 4A, 4B, right, next week. Today, now I hope that you get that high encouragement of this is who we are as a church. This is who we are. And then if you're brave enough, you'll come back next week and you'll get the high challenge. Where are we going? And like, what are you calling us to, Pastor? Like, what what is this all about? Because I so desperately want us to be that church that is up and to the right, that church that is living consistently in that fruitful place. Not perfect. Because none of us are perfect. So when we get together, we don't make up a perfect church. But, but where we would be resilient and when we'd recognize places of unfruitfulness, when we'd recognize, man, we're getting stuck in an area, that we will be resolute in our commitment to say, we are not staying here, we're moving together up and to the right. Where are we today? So this is, I know this is just a little bit anecdotal, but go ahead and put that first chart up there. And what you're gonna see here is that I went to our staff and our church council. So this is kind of anecdotal, like meaning like each person answered the question a little bit differently and uniquely based on their vantage point. And, but each of these 13 people that you see represented up here on these little squares, each one of them had a reason. And we talked about it. Why, why did you put that mark there? And so we, we, we talked about it. And, and out of this conversation came some really good things. There were some things that were very affirming about who we are as a church, but there are also thing, things like, I don't think that our mission is clear enough for people to grab hold of and like run with the challenge. Ah, okay, got it. There's things like, we have some people that are serving a lot, but we don't have everybody, we, you know, there's not enough people collectively serving together. That can be pretty stressful. If you're on a team and you feel like you're looking around and say, where's everybody else on this team doing this mission stuff? That's where it can like go, oh man, I sink down into that stressed area right there. Also, someone reflected that there is challenge that gets thrown out there, but a lot of times, kind of as a whole, we can be really slow at responding to challenge. Too cozy. So you can see just by this that we have room to grow. So I want you to see something. Go to that second, uh, second slide there. And when you collect all those data points, this is where, this is the average. This was the place where 
our staff and our church council identified this is where we feel we are as a church. In the fruitful quadrant, but barely. Barely. And you know what? I, I actually so appreciate this. Because this is an honest evaluation of people who love this church or are committed to this church, committed to like moving forward together. But you know what I love? It shows, even as a church. Now we've done this, remember, individually. On week one, we did a self-assessment. Where are we on this grid? Like, just personally. I, may, I don't know where you put yourself. But collectively as a church, what I love about this is that it shows we have room to grow if we are going to anticipate the kind of fruit that we would love to see happening in this place. We have a lot of room to grow, both in how we work in encouragement with people, how we reflect the love of Jesus to one another and to our community, but also like how we would call people forth and empower them, equip them, help them on their journey for them to like accept the challenge of how God made them to be incredibly fruitful. And remember guys, fruit is the goal here. It's not about making our name great, it's about making his name great. It's not about filling up every chair so that we can like, check this out on Instagram, right? Woo! No, it's about ensuring that people right around us in our community, your neighbors, your friends, your sons and your daughters, your grandchildren, have an encounter with the living God and that their lives that are, man, stuck in some of those unhealthy, unfruitful places where there is breakthrough and there is freedom and there is joy and there is hope restored for a lifetime. That's why we're doing what we do. And that's why it is all about the fruit. On your notes there, you're gonna see a, a chunk of scripture from John chapter 15. This is the most concise place where Jesus talked about fruit. I want you to, Follow along with me in this passage. He starts out by Jesus saying, I am the true vine. And listen, us here in Santa Maria, it's not hard to picture a vineyard, is it? The true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Just like sit in that for a moment. It's like, wow, God cuts people out of his story? No, he doesn't. But where there is like, where there ain't fruit in your story or my story or our church's story, oh my goodness, guess what, guys? The shears are coming. Why? Because he loves us so much that he does not want unfruitful areas of our life to persist. Things that aren't bearing good fruit? Come on, guys. He's like, get it out of there. This is unhealthy for you. And sometimes we bring this little unfruitful branch to Jesus and say, I'm submitting it to you. That's called repentance. Right? At other times, 
He sneaks up on us, puts his finger on something, and says, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out in this area because I love you so desperately that I will want this place of unfruitfulness to exist. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And some of us are like, well, dude, I'm fruitful. I'm good. No shears for me, right? Get those garden clippers away from this guy because I'm fruitful. And then we get to the next part of what Jesus says, like, uh-oh, uh We pucker up a little bit because he says, well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. Friends, the goal is being fruitful. If it's unfruitful, guess what? He prunes it, cuts it off so that we can be fruitful, so that we're not stuck in those unfruitful places. Too cozy, too stressed out. He's like, that ain't going to work for you. That's going to keep you from bearing good fruit. And when we are fruitful, don't forget, God will prune us there as well for even greater fruitfulness because why? He calls us up into the right. And then it says there, of course, that he, the Father is glorified when we bear much fruit. Much. That's like way up there in that top right corner, much fruit. Not a little fruit. Much. So like I said, today we're starting this two-part conversation because I want you to capture some of who we are and where we're pointed. What does it mean to be part of a four-square tribe? What does it mean to be four-square? Like, what are we part of here locally and also globally? So I've asked Pastor Kelly to come and share just for a moment or two with you about a bit of our history that excites me about what is this tribe that we're a part of called Foursquare. Pastor Kelly, who is my beautiful wife, the queen of the alley, I guess. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, that uh, she is not only the queen of the alley, she is one of the, uh, she's a board member on the National Foursquare Board of Directors a group that, that works collectively and intensely um, for the betterment of our whole church movement here in the United States. And uh, she's about over halfway through a five-year commitment as a board member. And uh, just this week has been in deep conversations with, uh, with that board. She can't tell me anything they talk about. Um, but I, I celebrate her work within our church movement to help us thrive. Would you please welcome Pastor Kelly? Thank you. Um, the Foursquare Church turns 100 next year. Yes, yes. Um, there is also a committee that is planning our centennial uh, Jubilee celebration, and it's going to be good. It's going to happen this week or next year. Uh, the Foursquare Church was founded by Amy Simple McPherson. That's a woman's name. Yeah. A woman founded our organization. And some things that I want to tell you about her. Um, I want to tell you about the high encouragement. Yeah. 
num the, the things that set her apart, what the history books say, is that number one, she was female. That set her apart in her era. And number two, what set her apart was her belief in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. This is a Pentecostal church. Yeah. We believe that the Spirit is here to dwell in each and every one of us and that he dwells in power. Amen. And her ministry was exemplified by that. But I don't know that she had the challenges that we had then uh, or we have now about females in leadership. I don't know if anyone told her that that was supposed to be a challenge. She grew up in the Salvation Army organization, and she, as a 20-something, was married and traveled with her husband to be missionaries in China. After the birth of her first child, she was widowed in China. She had to make it, decide, am I staying or am I going home to, her home was Canada, and am I going to make this journey with my child? And she did. And she heard from the Lord, then go to Los Angeles and establish a church. Was she, did she set out to establish a church that would come into a denomination and, and, Establish a Bible Institute and then the Bible College. No, that all came later. She just took the first step. Yeah. And she came home and she began establishing that. So, but not only was she female, I'm going to say she was young. Mm -hmm. She was in her late 20s, early 30s. To me, that's young. Tim and I are in our upper 50s. Okay, and we've had people tell us, you are the youngest pastor I have ever had. And so I think that she is an encouragement to us, number one, because she was a female, and number two, because she was young. Mm -hmm. She was not going to let the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit pass by her generation. Yeah. But not only was she encouraging, but she was challenging. I mentioned the, uh, the Foursquare Bible College that was later formed. When you were a student at the Bible College in Los Angeles, which was connected with the church, uh, you were assigned to a church team while you were attending Bible College. And at that time, the rail... Um, the trolley cars, street cars were going into Los Angeles, and she was strategic. Mm -hmm. These students were divided up, and you got on a street car, and you went to the end of it, and you established a church. And you went back next week, and you met up with that people at that uh, station, and you had church. And then you came to graduation, and you brought your suitcase. And you were partnered with someone. And you were sent out beyond Incredible. the end of the streetcar. You were sent to places like Santa Maria. Yeah. Thank you, Peggy King. Mm -hmm. 
high challenge. Yeah. We have not asked any of you to show up with your suitcase <laughs> and go where we tell you to go. Yeah. So high encouragement, high challenge. We were founded by a woman almost 100 years ago, a trendsetter and a pioneer. She used creativity and technology. They say that Angelus Temple, well, they don't just say it is, it's built like a megaphone so that she could stand and her voice could be projected out to the sanctuary and, and metaphorically to the city. Yeah. Uh, she drove motorcycles on the platform. <laughs> She um, had cantatas and dramatic presentations. She used what was ever available to her to get the message out. But once the message was out, she anticipated that it would return with the miraculous. Mm -hmm. Thousands were healed under her ministry. There used to be a room where they collected the crutches and the stretcher be um, beds that people came in. She was committed to multi-ethnic ministry. She had works established at Angeles Temple in Los Angeles in many languages. At a time when L.A. was very segregated. Yes, yeah. yes. And she had a passion for people's physical needs. Not uh, her, their health, yes, but food, poverty, housing. And so she, um, she fed, and the church fed more people in the Great Depression than the city of Los Angeles. Yeah. And you know what? That work continues today. Today, Angelus Temple is the home of Dream Center Church, pastored by Matthew Barnett. I don't know if any of you paid attention during COVID, but I bet you that the history books are going to write again that Matthew Barnett and Angelus Temple Dream Center fed more people during COVID yeah. than the government institutions. And so today, we have grown to 15 churches, 1,500 churches in the United States, and over eight or seven, I'm sorry, 67,000 churches around the world, 150 nations, 8.8 .8 million members of which you are a part. This is our legacy. Yeah. A legacy of encouragement, a legacy of high challenge, and a legacy of moving up and to the right. Amen. Woo! Does that excite you? Does that encourage you to know that this one woman's vision, who is a widow, raising her little child, God calls to do this miraculous thing, and we are a part of that 100 years later. I'm amazed, and I'm challenged. So what do we believe as a four-square church? Well, just take a moment. We're not, this is not a deep theological teaching. I want to encourage you with this. When you look around this room, you may have noticed we have some artwork hanging on the walls. 
These are not just random, cool, spiritual-looking pieces of artwork. There's a picture of a cross, a dove, a cup or a, a chalice, and a crown. These are very specific because they represent what Amy Semple Ferson called and became to call the Foursquare Gospel. Foursquare, what, is that? what does Foursquare even mean? Well, it's an old school term. We don't really use it any, uh, much, but you can look it up in the dictionary, and what you're gonna find is that it is solid, and it's balanced. And I love that about our name. It sounds like a little playground game, you know, Foursquare, hey! Do you know the secret handshake? Um, but, but it's about something that is solid and that is balanced. And she described the gospel in the terms of these four representations. And it's there in your notes. That the crown, I'm sorry, the cross represents Jesus as our savior. Our savior. There is no other name in heaven and earth given by God for our salvation except one, and his name is Jesus. There's a lot of things that people turn to for their quote-unquote salvation, but we know that it's Jesus who saves. It's only Jesus. And so we reflect that in how we preach and how we conduct ourselves, and as we share the gospel message, the good news is about Jesus as our Savior. The dove represents that Jesus is our baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Jesus' promise was that when he returned to heaven that I am not leaving you alone. I am giving you my spirit. And as we read, man, we find that, that the spirit was given to empower us on mission. That we're not doing this mission by ourselves and in our own strength. It is in his power by the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has also been given to us as our comforter and our encourager. High encouragement, the Holy Spirit's gonna be with you. God is with you to love you and accept you and to heal whatever is broken. How encouraging is that? The Holy Spirit's called the encourager, but then he's also here to empower you on mission to go and be his witness. Oh, high challenge. Then we have the cup, and the cup is a cup of healing, that Jesus is our healer. We read in scripture, and it's there in your notes, that when he went to the cross for our salvation, it also says that by his wounds, we are healed. And yes, that is physical healing, but it's also mental healing, emotional healing, relational healing. He is our healer. And then what's the crown about? Do we celebrate Jesus as our soon coming king? His promise, in which is our hope, is that this world is not all that there is, but that we have not only a savior and one who has empowered us with this Holy Spirit and gave his very blood that we might be healed, body, mind, and spirit, but that he's coming again for us. It's coming again for you and for me to take us home, to our true, true home. Now listen, some of you have been around Foursquare a long time. You're like, I celebrate that, you're awesome. I've been also with Foursquare a long, long time. Probably around 50 years my life has been in Foursquare churches. But I'm telling you, 
I don't know if you're a four score as this guy. Go ahead and put the picture up. This, I took this picture about a month ago in my living room. There was a guy that came over to do some work in our home. He's from Lompoc, and we're chatting. I say, hey, man, Easter's coming up. Man, I'd love you to, I'm the pastor over at Santa Maria Foursquare. I'd love for you to come and join us on Easter. And he's like, Foursquare, Foursquare. Dude, I got Lompoc Foursquare, and I got something to show you. Now, I don't know whether he got this in prison. I don't know where he got this. But dude, this is, this guy is like seriously Foursquare. Woo! Jesus Christ, our Savior, our baptizer with the Holy Spirit, our healer, our soon coming King. This guy ain't gonna forget it. Because every time he takes a shower, man, he's like, Foursquare, baby! <laughs> if you wanna know more about Foursquare, I encourage you to go over onto our website sm4.org, and if you go to our about page, if you just go to sm4.org slash about, there's a bunch of things about Foursquare. There's actually even a couple of videos there. I don't know if you've ever gone and checked that out. There's even more about kind of our fundamental faith beliefs as a movement. I'd encourage you to do that because we're Foursquare. Hashtag, we are Foursquare. But I want to finish this morning, um, and I want to invite up two very special people that are part of our team Julia Garmendia, who's on our church council, come on up, take a seat right here. Pastor Sergio Gomez, um, I love these two individuals that I get to uh, rub shoulders with a lot as we join together on mission. But there are two particular things in the story of the life of our church, because that's like Foursquare, right? Probably every Foursquare church would share some of those same things, but like what makes us unique? Now we're gonna come back to this next week, guys, so you gotta come back for part B. But I wanted to share with you two things about our church in Northwest Santa Maria that are unique. Yes. That are like, when, when we have prayed and sought the Lord and said, God, who are we and what are we to be about? What is our mission that may be a little different than the mission like down the street at another church? What are things that you have given us to do? And is there in your notes right there, two things that are unique and special parts of our church's DNA and our calling is our commitment to our neighbors and the next generations. And so I'm, I've invited my friends to just come and share just a little bit about those two things. And Sergio's gonna come up here in just a moment, but I don't know if you have really paid attention closely enough, if you're, especially if you're an English-only speaker. If you're bilingual, you've probably picked up on this. But friends, we at the Santa Maria Foursquare Church are one church with two congregations ministering equally in both English and in Espanol. Why do we do that? Because God put us in Northwest Santa Maria. Santa Maria, baby. That's where God put us. Could you imagine putting a church on this street and there were only English speakers? Like, what? You know where you are? We love where God put us. And for years, part of the conversation about our church was like, hey, are we going to move? Are we going to like pack it all in, sell our property and kind of go to, I don't know, greener pastures, not so many people around, not so many people parking on our street. I don't know, whatever. You know what? God spoke to us and confirmed this about five years ago. 
We're right where God wants us. Yes. We are proudly Northwest Santa Maria. And listen, I know that some people probably struggle with that and like, man, I don't drive anywhere north of Main Street ever. <laughs> if I go past battles, it's like I'm on like a trek somewhere. Except and I, for tacos. Except for tacos, okay, let's be honest. But we're in Northwest Santa Maria. And I, I, I just wonder, in fact, I'm more than wonder, I, I believe, that the reason that we're here is because God has brought neighbors to us from all parts of the world. And guess what? God brought them here to our neighborhood because he trusts us. You and me, the Santa Maria Foursquare Church, to love, to accept, to welcome the immigrant, to wrap our arms around them even as we are loving them and leading them to Jesus. So Sergio, talk a little bit about kind of how, what is this like commitment look like to our neighbors? Well, even with COVID, I don't think the gospel stops, does it? Right. It doesn't stop. And that's what's been in our heart, um, that as even with the need that people have, every Thursday we are able to partner with the rescue mission Every single Thursday. So even with COVID, it was like yeah. every single week, in and out, in and out, we were just partnering with them and blessing our neighborhood. What do we do on Thursday nights? So not only we, do we bless our neighbors with our parking lot, like you mentioned, yeah. um, but we, we bless our neighbors with giving them fresh vegetables yeah. every single Thursday. And we have the opportunity that we have... Uh, two families from our second service that partner with Rescue Mission, and they're actually just making that relationship yeah. every single week and preaching the gospel. Not awesome? only do they get something fresh, uh, vegetables that are fresh, but they get the gospel that is always fresh. Always fresh. The gospel is always fresh. That's right. Um, and that is just so awesome that we get to do that. And another thing that Actually, we were able to take advantage of as we had people come into our property already is we saw we saw the land that was fresh to plant that seed. And um, Pastor Tim several years ago told me, hey, there's a program called MOPS. And um, mothers, mothers of preschoolers, mothers of preschoolers. And in Spanish, corazón de mamá, a mother's heart. And he said, you know, do whatever you think with it. Check it out. So I did. I called. I got into it, and I was like, this is a great opportunity. Where can we get moms that might be close to us yeah. that we might be able to talk to just down the street? Yeah. Just down the street. So we gathered some women. We told them about what we wanted to do. They took the vision. They actually partner with, a, 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 you know, the community and partner with the rescue mission. Yeah. They had not only moms coming out of the school, they give them a little water, and they said, hey, join us for a little bit of coffee, and let's talk, and let's see what we can do. This just kind of took its place where it evolved to having <laughs> nine moms come for this past year. 
Like 10 moms, actually. 10 moms that have been coming to our premises every single week, at least twice a a month, uh, to do some sewing. So the idea was to, what else can we do with moms that we can give them something that they can take home and use it? Sewing. So we, we partner with Gloria and Maria Emilia, who are actually teaching these women how to sew. And they're super excited. And last week, two weeks ago, they had this idea of, what if we taught these women more than just sewing? What if we sew, get it, in their heart? Yeah. What if we sew the word of God in their heart? And um, two weeks ago, nine women out of those ten gave their life to Jesus. Is that awesome? Nine. We were just so stoked. We were just, man, this is good. Yeah. This is so good. But not only have they partnered with Corazón de Mamá, now they're partnering and we're grabbing these women and bringing them to our church slowly. Yeah. We gave them Bibles. We purchased Bibles through the church. And we gave them a Bible. Now we're just inviting them to our um, women's gathering that is taking place in their homes. Yeah. So now we're doing that. And we think that this is so important in our community. This is so important. Because this is we are, what we get we to are do. committed to our neighbors. Yes. And so we, we don't want to get stuck where it's too cozy, where it's like, hey, we got this nice thing going on here. Why would we want to like mess it up with mm-hmm. other people, mm-hmm. right? No, we want it messy because we know what Jesus is going to do. And it has been challenging. It, yeah. It has not been easy. This has been. This is a mission. Yes, and it's yeah. been up and to the right. It's Amen. been challenging, and it's giving fruit. Would you say thank you to Pastor Sergio? He spearheads so much of what's going on. We're, we're planning also another large outreach that's going to be taking place, I believe this October. Yes. Um, there's going to be just a big community outreach here on our property. We'll share more about that with you when time comes. And, and thank you for all that you do, pastoring our Spanish congregation and leading strong in our neighborhood. And Julia, not only are we committed to uh, our neighbors in particular, but man, we're committed to the next generation. And uh, you may have a reason why, you may share a reason why I asked you uh, to talk about our commitment to the next generation. So share away. Stand up. Can you guys hear me? Okay. <laughs> I'm too tall for that chair. <laughs> um, well, good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you that I have not met personally, my name is Julia. I'm one of the newest council members at the church here. Um, I have been blessed to be a member of Santa Maria Foursquare for uh, about three years. And during that time, as my relationship with uh, God just developed, um, I just really felt him calling me to serve. And early on, uh, being a member of this church, I was able to see just the love and commitment that they have for the future generation. And so when an opportunity arose to serve with the Safari Kids Ministry, my hand immediately went up. um, And I've been very blessed to be a part of the Safari Kids team. Um, I can't even begin to tell you how special it is to just introduce the love of God to them and to just see them get excited every time they learn something new or more importantly to share with us something that they already know or, oh, I know that Bible story and, and to, to see their faces light up. Um, 
A great example of this, a, a couple weeks ago, um, one of our awesome safari kids, Aiden, raised his hand. He's like, Teacher Julia, Teacher Julia, do you know what amen means? And <laughs> Aiden's like maybe four or five. He's awesome. Like, he's like a little guy. Um, and I was like, no, no, Aiden, what, what does it mean, buddy? And he's like, it means, with the biggest smile on his face, like, it means let it be so. Come and on, I, Aiden. <laughs> I was taken back by this little guy because I'm going to be honest with you guys. I did not know what it meant. Um, so I wasn't joking when I was like, no, Aiden, what does it mean? <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm a little new in, in my relationship with God and I'm, I'm still learning. So, um, so I was just taken back by him and it just, it created this special opportunity for Kayla and I to just have an off script moment um, to just stop and talk to the kids about prayer. Yeah. Um, you know, these are, these are K through sixth graders, uh, a lot of whom may not know how to pray or why we pray or you know, how we talk with Jesus and, and how we build our relationship with God. So to be able to have that one-on-one time with them and, and just see their relationship build with Come God is, is just so special and so incredible. Yeah. Um, on top of our Safari Kids ministry, we also have an awesome youth uh, ministry, Live Up Youth Group. Uh, they were looking for a leader who could potentially serve uh, with winter camp. So I got a chance to kind of double dip and join the youth group yes. as well. I like Children lots of and youth, you are our hero. <laughs> Come on. So, well, I was, okay, so I joined to serve as a chaperone at winter camp. The night before winter camp, we had a Sunday COVID test to Kaylin. I tested positive. Ugh. My sole purpose for joining to be a female chaperone <laughs> and to help them out, I could not go. And Kaylin had to be the only female chaperone. So, but I will be there at winter camp. It's going to happen at one point. God's timing yeah. is better than my own timing. Um, but after going to a couple of our Wednesday sessions, I actually got a chance to teach a lesson to the youth as well as share my testimony with them, which is something I had never done before. Um, being able to just talk to them about my experiences and having a heart for God and what my life looked like before and after God um, was just something that I will truly cherish. And that night, we also had an opportunity to just open the floor for the youth and tell them if they wanted to come forward for any prayer at all, that they could do that. Um, and just looking around in the courtyard, it was incredibly moving to see every single leader that night praying over youth. Yeah. Um, whether they were coming forward for a specific challenge they were dealing with or simply just saying, I don't have a relationship with God, but I want to, I want to have one. Will you pray for me? Um, I just felt the presence of God in the courtyard that night. Um, I'm just so grateful that we have a church that just puts so much love and attention into our future generations because these are, these are the kids that, are, as they grow, are going to be the next leaders of not just our church but are going to go out to the world and, yeah. and share the good news um, with people and just bring people to Christ. And so I just love that our church invests in that. And uh, like Pastor Tim has been preaching on, on moving up and to the right. We've been in the series and I can tell you from my own experiences, there is nothing more challenging uh, yet rewarding and motivating than serving this future generation. Um, and if that's you today, and if you've gotten cozy or bored or, or even just stuck in your faith, I encourage you to join a ministry. We don't even have to wait for Kaylin and Jesse to come back. You guys can come find me. Right? I will be yeah. more than happy to help you find an opportunity to serve. Um, because we, we can't do it without the, the amazing leadership team that we have here. And, and I'm just very grateful to be a part of it and just invest in that future generation and Amen. Pa pass the baton on to them. Amen. So. Amen. Amen.
Bless the Lord. You say thank you to Sergio and Julia. Here, you can take that. Yep. We're going to pray. And I do invite you, please come back next week and hear the wrap-up, where we're headed. On your notes there, you, you saw a scripture that is really a center point, a focal point for our global four-score church movement. Hebrews 13, eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. The very Jesus, the same one who created the world, who came to earth in love and truth and grace and power. The same Jesus that went to the cross for you and for me, for humanity. And then will come again one day and usher us home. That same Jesus is the same. The same Jesus is the one that we worship today. The same salvation that was offered 2,000 years ago to those who gathered around the foot of the cross is the same Jesus we say today. Come. Find not only forgiveness, but find healing. Find grace. Find love. Find a new life in him. And what have you got to lose? I mean, all the stuff this unfruitful, all the stuff that we get stuck in. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that we would have hearts that would be eager to respond to you. The Lord is your Holy Spirit begins to just reveal who you are. That God, that we would have hearts that would just jump in response to you. God, I want to be someone who responds to you. Lord, and Lord, I pray that our church would be this responsive group that would just say, yes, Jesus, I need you. I need you today. Lord, we give you this morning and we give you our church, Lord, as you call us to move forward in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God is good, friends. You're loved. We'll see you next week.